Billy. You, you have any better ideas, Dingus? I don't. That's why. That's what <laughs> it means. Maybe the theme song from Obama's inauguration. What was that? Would that be more appropriate? Would you have liked that better? Uh, something I am from assassination, Jesse James. I am change. <laughs> uh, hello there. Welcome to the quarter to three movie podcast for killing them softly. Mm. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with. Dingus Molansky, or uh, Christian Molansky, sorry. That was, that was way unprofessional of me. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. I am listed in the city directory as Thomas Howard. What? I'm he so jumped confused. movies. That, he, he, did a, uh, he did another Andrew movie, which I love, but uh, okay, well, hold that on. I didn't see. Also, it's going to be really exciting. Kelly Wand, Kelly Wand, you have seen it. Also, with a tagline oh. that was Kelly Wand. Oh, uh... It's like Goodfellas minus the good. <laughs> uh, before we explore that uh, in in more detail, uh, does anyone have anything that they said on the podcast last week that they want to correct this week? Kelly Wand? Uh, I, I want to say, retract everything I said last week. <laughs> if there's anything I don't take back, I'll let you know. If I had a nickel for every time Kelly Wand made me doubt myself incorrectly... I would have at least uh, 85 cents or so. Your pipe wouldn't have dropped. <laughs> yeah, was it your fault? That's... I can't blame that one on you. Kelly Wan, Devil's Tower is indeed in Wyoming. I was right. I win. You owe me $5. No. Yes. What? Uh, also. Wait, wait. Uh, yes. The same, you're saying there's the actual mountain used in the movies in Wyoming. That's your point. That's your rebuttal. To buy First of all, it. it's not a mountain. It's a plateau. <laughs> and second of all, Yes. Hmm. Mm, see, you're trying to tell me it's in Oregon. Oregon doesn't have any formations like that. It's just like, or I've but seen it, community, or I know what Oregon looks like. The aliens seem to get lucky that they had a, fl- a plateau mountain to use. Well, they didn't even land on it. By the way, hold on. I already realized I just to stave off having to bring this up next week. Community is not the thing set in Oregon. What's the sitcom with the guy with Fred Armisen? Set in Oregon. Oh, Portlandia. Portlandia, thank you. I was trying to make a TV reference as if I watched TV, and I I fumbled it. Is there there any way that we could remember what what state that's in? Is there any? Maine. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) I win. Uh, Doesn't doesn't Devil's Tower move every day like Krull? That's how the devil works (laughs) when he brings his architecture to Earth. (laughs) That's the last thing I want to say. Sorry. Uh, did you guys, by the way, see the trailer for Dark Skies? Uh, I accidentally watched it. It basically is uh, its a movie about these, this couple that moves into a house that is a magnet for birds. Did you? Did you <laughs> well, I didn't know birds were metallic. Well, this house, it makes birds fly into it. Uh, oh! I have a perfect well, I, did, segue. I did see that. That has Carrie, what's her name in it? Carrie oh. Russell, and uh, I love in the uh, in the role of Max von Sydow, uh, J.K. Simmons showing up. I thought that yes. was really cool. Uh, and I also noticed uh, it completely shamelessly rips off bits from Poltergeist and Close Encounters, and they managed to get that in the trailer. You know, the Poltergeist scene where the, the chairs stack, they do something like that, but to one-up it with more stuff than just chairs. Uh, and they have from Close Encounters the the screw turning magically somehow. Uh, uh, weak. 
Well, well Kelly, you say weak, but it's. Let me ask you about two movies. See how you feel about these movies. How, Kelly Wan, do you feel about the movie Legion? <laughs> uh, it made me want to file my teeth so I could fool my pop. Good. Okay, now here, here's another one, Kelly Wan. How do you feel about the movie Priest? Uh, I saw Le- Legion, so. You didn't need to see Priest. Yeah. <laughs> you flipped it. You should have skipped Legion and seen Priest. So this is a, a director named Scott Stewart, uh, and it's his next movie, this uh, Dark Skies thing. And it's coming out. Dingus, if a movie is released in February, is that bad news or good news, or can we tell? Well, it depends if it has any sort of um, wolves in it. I don't think it show wolves in. Uh, yeah, that would be Jane. Uh, what? Uh, I also. So, want, so yeah. is there a, is there an actor in uh, Dark Skies that is also in the other two movies you mentioned? Poltergeist and Close Encounters. No. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, uh, Legion and Priest. Not that I know of. Paul Bettany. He's the only no. The only actors they show in the trailer are Josh Hamilton, Carrie Russell, and J.K. Simmons. If they're and they're a bunch of kids, of course, because you need to put kids in peril for a good horror movie. I was uh, hoping to watch Paul him run. I was hoping for Paul Bettany. No, it looks like Paul Bettany's had his fill of Scott Stewart. <laughs> they, they apparently parted ways, just like the parting of ways between Toshiro Mufune and Akira Kurosawa. It's a very sad day for cinema. <laughs> Those are analogous. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Scott Stewart, uh, Paul Bettany. I have, I have a question about something you said. Yes, Kelly Wand. How do they want up the poltergeist chairs? What do they use in addition to chairs? It's kind of like everything from the living room. They All- already did that in pol- in Paranormal. No, but this is like more. This is like uh, tchotchkes and lawn ornaments and and lighting fixtures and uh, end tables. It's just a, it's a remarkable edifice. Uh, Why don't they just do it with people? Like make the people jump around if they can matter. Mm. I like where you're going with that, Kelly Wand. Um, I was going to ask you about a 1977 movie. I watched a bit of a work called Deathbed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> I've heard of one after 77. There's a more recent one than that. Maybe it was a remake where it's the haunted bed. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that someone finds in the attic and the husband tells the wife, don't go in the attic. And she finds the bed up there and it possesses her. Uh, um, no. I don't know of a 77 version, but I know of a version that's got to be from, like, late 90s or early 2000s. It's made out of acid or something, the mattress, and it, it dissolves uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, wine, and then two people having sex. And there's, like, a ghost hiding behind a painting on the wall that has to watch it for 60 years. And that's the first two minutes. Wow, Kelly Wan, you're making me want to see it. Because the, the remake, I, I, I guess it was remade, because I'm sure the one I saw was not 77. So, Kelly Wan, do you endorse this movie? Fuck yeah. And I've only seen five minutes of it. It's already the greatest movie I've ever seen. Uh, have you seen a movie? There's a, I want to say he's a Finn, because there aren't many Finnish directors. But I think there's a Finnish director. Uh, I didn't know he'd started. Oh, uh, he did a movie called The Elevator, which is sure oh. enough about a possessed elevator. Like Devil. But no, oh yeah, well, yeah, Devil anyway. wasn't about the elevator itself. This one is The Elevator is Possessed, and I think he did an American remake of it. Uh, or maybe it was English language. I'm, I'm a little... But anyway, you, you talk about Deathbed. Uh, escalator would be good. I, I want someone to work on that. It would be. It would have to kind of be like rubber. It would kind of have to have that tone. What about a haunted toaster oven, where it's just one thing in the kitchen? Kelly Wan, that's ridiculous. Now you've gone too far. Well, it's science. It's parascience. Or... <laughs> uh, <laughs> What about the trailer for Broken World? Because I let myself watch that. Have you guys what? seen that? With, with not, <gasps> with Jack Reacher, but you watch that shit? Right, well, well, it's like a it's, video game. Broken. No, it's a January release, Dingus, so it's one up above a video game, barely. Um, but it's, it's non-fat Russell Crowe, 
and Mark Wahlberg. So Russell Crowe is like the mayor, yeah, yeah, Mark Wahlberg yeah, yeah. is a cop, and, and he, he somehow, Russell Crowe, enlists Mark Wahlberg in some sort of shenanigans, and he says to him, uh, I, I hired you because I own you. Like, but he says, like, Russell Crowe. He doesn't and, need to hire him, then, does he? <laughs> That's a good point. Just wasted money. But what they, he can just, he can just that, place him like so many little chits. But what, what I love about this trailer, uh, two things. Catherine Zeta-Jones, isn't she, like, like 60? How old is she? Yeah, but... She looks wait. amazing. Like, whatever genetics she's got going on, I think I think she has a painting of herself stashed in the attic somewhere that's that's aging. Because I don't know how old she is, but she just looks amazing, and there are close-ups of her. I don't know if it's like CG, but good Lord, what a, what a gorgeous creature. Yeah. Does she qualify as an old woman, then? Actually, I don't know. Maybe she is just like 30 or 40 or something. I, I think her at 80. Amorous told me at 80. Just uh, uh, all right, Kelly, no one knows what you're talking about. Um <laughs> So the thing, though, that gets me about the Broken World trailer is that it has in it 100% proof that Mark Wahlberg has no idea how to deliver lines. <laughs> Wait, this was already established many years ago. <laughs> well, this is right. But it, it occasionally comes up again, uh, incontrovertible proof, just in case someone says something like, oh, hey, he was funny in Ted or whatever. You know, you maybe hear stuff like that. But in Broken World, Catherine Zeta-Jones says to him, hey, you know, Russell Crowe's dangerous. Like to to wave him off of the plot or whatever. And Mark Wahlberg's line is, he only knows people that kill people. But and he delivers it like that. Like he only knows people that kill people. It should be he only knows people that kill people. Like like he hits the he doesn't hit he doesn't hit a word. Like he doesn't know what word to stress to make that line be a proper response to what Catherine Zeta Jones has said. Like well, this thing is wave me off of Kelly Wand. Tell me Kelly Wand is dangerous. Kelly Wand is dangerous. No, Dingus, Kelly Wan only knows people that kill people. See, that's the wrong way to do it. The way it should be, no, he, he only knows people that kill people. I don't get the line in defense of Wahlberg. Uh, he, the guy only knows murderers, and if you haven't killed someone, he doesn't want to be your friend. Well, to be fair, that is that that would construe a form of danger. If you know a lot of people that kill people, and you could talk to them and get them to kill me, I would consider myself endangered. Uh, or the second he knows you you've already killed someone in the past. You know what, Kelly Wand? Like the collaboration between Scott Stewart and Paul Bettany, this seems to me like a collaboration between the screenwriter for Broken World and Mark Wahlberg. And they've both they've both fumbled it. <laughs> She's go. only 43, by the way. Uh, Man, but Wahlberg, she does not look a day older than 36. <laughs> oh, math's already in the... <laughs> let's, get, let's work our way to the math. So, Dingus, what did we see besides trailers for... Uh, Dark Skies and, and Broken World. What did we see this week? Uh, well, this week we saw Fellas. <laughs> what, what did the studio call it, though? The, the studio called it Killing Them Softly. Mm. The, this is a 2012 American crime drama thriller movie about an ep- economic crisis in organized crime. <laughs> it was directed and written by Andrew Dominic. Mm-mm. Based on the novel Kogan's Trade by George V. Higgins. It stars Brad Pitt. <laughs> are you just going to stop there? Like the rest of them are slaffable? What? I just can't say the name Scoot. Come on, you just did. It sounded awesome, too. Scoot you didn't have this problem in Argo, Dingus. I don't recall I, you having this problem with Argo. 
I agree. Um, I didn't. It's true. But you challenged me on it. By the way, Dingus, will you have this problem when he later shows up in movies directed by David Michaud, Lynn Shelton, Gus Van Sant, Wom Colette Sarah, and Steve McQueen? Because I know. That, Holy cow, look at that list of productions that he's working on. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Jesus, Scoot. So, Dingus, get used to saying his name without snickering. <laughs> All right. Scoot McNary. How's that sound? <laughs> Scoot McNary. What is the actor who plays him? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, somebody else worked on... Uh, I, I didn't know that David Michaud was in there, because... Um, shoot. There's a movie uh, that I think is entering production. It's like... Oh, the, the DP. Uh, Gregory Fraser also worked on Spider. That's right. Anyway, um, Scoot McNary, Ben Mendelssohn, mm. uh, Richard, <laughs> Richard Jenkins, and James Gandolfini. Uh, Killing Them Softly is rated R. Mm. Why? <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> Kelly, one, I, I got this one. Uh, smoking. For smoking. In the car, that's even that's even harder. That's since he's smoking, smoking when someone doesn't want you to smoke, that gives you an R. Yeah. It's like non-consensual smoking. That's an R. For smoking and overusing a Johnny Cash song, and also... Um, or having drugs in a locker. So, Dingus, that's what you would give it an R for. What did the MPAA think it did to this right. R? They thought it had violence, sexual references. What? <laughs> pervasive Never. language and drug use. All right. I'm, I'm done. So if you refer to sex verbally, then you're it's an R rating. If you go, hey, we had yeah, sex you, in there. All you have to do is make a sexual reference, Kelly. So you are basically rated R all the time. Nice work, Kelly Wand. But the dicks are there. They're just covered and flaccid, hopefully. So what's the difference? <laughs> Take that, MPAA. Uh, uh, killing Them Softly opened, it, uh, it. according to Box Office Mojo, which does a little coverage every week, it bombed. So uh, it opened at number seven. Ouch. Uh, with Yeah. Lucky number seven or lucky number seven? Well, couple number lucky number seven. So it opened at number seven, making... $7 million in its opening weekend. Coincidence. Uh, which is, uh, they point out, is in, is one of Brad Pitt's lowest openings ever. However, I noticed they, they mentioned, uh, and this hurt, they said it made nearly twice as much as the entire theatrical run of Assassination of Jesse James. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's a hit. It's a major <laughs> hit. Oh, that's <laughs> Exactly. All right. I quit. I quit. Oh. Hit me where it hurts. Uh, let's see. Uh, on on Metacritic, which rates, which uh, gauges the average rating from reviews that use rating, uh, Killing Them Softly is at 64. And on Rotten Tomatoes, which gives you the percentage of reviews that are positive, 78% of all reviews of Killing Them Softly were, in the end, positive. That is stunning news. Well, Kelly Wan, why don't you stun us further? No, wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Yes, Kelly Wan. Yes. Interpret the numbers. No one cares about that bit. That bit died about four months ago. <laughs> what, Kelly what, about the, what about the bit where you guys disagree about when the bit died? Uh, that bit has about another month left in it, I would say. Awesome. <laughs> so, so we'll see that through the end of the year. Uh, so, so the bit was just, what do the numbers mean? No one cares about that. They just want to hear what they were. That's what you're saying. Kelly Wan, I think what people want to hear now is a blow-by-blow breakdown, maybe a synopsis, you might call it, of killing them softly. Perhaps maybe a killing them softopsis? 
Oh, weak. <laughs> well, what do you have? <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's see what you got then, Kelly Wan. What do you call it? Killing them softless. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Killing them loudly? What? Softless? All right. Rock and roll Kelly Wand with Killing Them Softless. Uh, I mean, dialogue I heard while watching Killing Them Softless. Hey, Stinky, holy water. I see now where they call those sweatshirts. What's with the Chihuahua? Me new career. Gonna raise 101 of them, drive them to Florida, blow up the station wagon full of the shit. Stow away on a hang glider to Venezuela, wait for an anonymous billionaire to leave me a million dollars, flush all but a couple thousand down the toilet, buy a pound of heroin with what's left, shoot it up, go into a coma, wake up in the distant future, and hold up a liquor store, which will probably be in pill form by then. Wow, Charlie, usually ideas sound idiotic, but this time it sounds almost as good as mine, or at least as good as Chris Penn's idea that I haven't heard yet. I was on my way to see him right now. He needs a second guy for a job. And I mentioned I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew me. And I know you. And he was all, so long as he's reliable, knows how to keep his yap shut. Ain't no chunky. Don't sweat. And ain't Australian. He's only half Australian, ain't ya? Reliability's for shrimps on the barbie. Fuck you. All right, Frankie, take it easy. I'll vouch for you. Just let me do the talking, because my voice is less annoying, see? <laughs> less annoying, see, I tells you. They go to an office at Chris Penn's numbers racket store and sit down across from his 2008-style desk. Duh, hi, Chris Penn. Here's that guy I was telling yous about. Telling yous about, I tells ya. Lick me kookaburras, and while you're down there, maybe me balls, too. I don't like this guy. Jeepers, I didn't foresee this. Tells him you don't means it, gnarly. Fuck you, fucking Chris Penn, and fuck Sean, too. He looks like a Dick Tracy character in that 1930s trailer. I still don't like this guy. Come on, Lefty, stretch your maybe a ball bust, and he smells so bad it's given me a nosebleed, but I vouch for him, and my word's as good as my future. I just want to get the fuck out of here, shoot up some carpet cleaner, and fuck a dead transvestite till I pass out my own filth. All right, I like him now. This guy seems legit. Here's the skinny, you mooks. Ray Liotta runs this poker game for 40 mafia guys at his cafeteria. Sweet, I'm starving! There's more numb nuts. He hired two guys to hold it up one time, then confessed to the crime one night while he was drunk. But since it was a flashback, no one gave a shit. So if you guys hold it up, they'll possibly think it was him again and kill him instead of us, as long as none of us spills the beans. Then, assuming we survive, we hit the card game again next month and probably get killed. What do you say? I'll spill what I bloody well feel like, you Sam Worthington aborigine. <laughs> Don't worry, Sonny. I'll keep an eye on Louie here. You can count on me to count on him. My therapist says I'm a ticking time bomb. That night, the two chums pull up in an alley. Well, this is the place. Might have been a little dumb of us to give a couple of the mafia guys a lift here while we had our masks on, but no plan's perfect, huh, Timmy? Fuck your picnic and the rocket hanged in on. Hey, don't take this wrong, Skippy, but does something smell fishy about this all of a sudden? I just took a dump on your passenger seat. Had my own vomit for lunch. Okay, Smoochie, I guess I can see both sides. And don't take this wrong either, I tells you, but I thought the pantyhose was for our faces. If you're going to wear those briefs, maybe you ought to at least cut eye holes in them. You yanks and your water going down your drains clockwise. Get your L. McPherson. Okay, Chewy, maybe you're right. Now we just need to... What's that? Sawed off shotgun, in case they try any kangaroo jacks with me tillywhacker. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know what a sawed-off shotgun is, Moldy. I just think you're supposed to use the other half. You know, the part with the trigger. I thought I said fuck you and the Tasmanian devil you thunder in on. Okay, Furby, take it easy. 
With dishwashing gloves? You said we'd have to launder the money. Oh. The holdup goes awesome. Better than the opposite. Next day, Chris Penn gets a couple visitors at his clapboard house. All right, Chris Penn, we knows it was you who done it. Cop up the cannoli or it's curtains for you. Sam Shepard, is this seriously your only scene in the movie? It's <laughs> <laughs> the only one I was sure about. Guess that'll cheer up Gandolfini a little. I mean, I didn't rob no poker game. I mean, what's a poker game? Meanwhile, Brad Pitt and Richard Jenkins sit in a car. Uh, I was your boss in this and burn after reading, huh? (laughs) (laughs) He's hard to do. I mean, he's easy to write, but hard to talk. At least in this one, we both live. Also, the boys told me to tell you to beat up Ray Liotta. That's dumb. He didn't... Sorry. That's dumb. He didn't do it. But we'll have to kill him, though, because word on the street is he did... Huh? Oh, I see what you're saying. You still need to beat him up, though, first, because if we do it after we kill him, we on the street, will be confused, and the boys don't need that on their plate with the election coming up. Also, Katrina. Okay, but I can't kill both of them, because I know one of them. I like killing him softly, with shotguns and broken glass in slow motion while ironic music plays. I'll bring in a buddy of mine. An unreliable junkie buddy? I think I'm having deja vu. No, this one's alcoholic, but they'll both just sort of disappear from the movie the exact same way. Gotcha. Meanwhile... <laughs> it's almost over, thank God. What's his face in the Australian guy do heroin in yet another dilapidated brown room? Hey, Mimsy, did you hoid what happened to Ray Liotta? Two guys beat the shit out of him in the rain. Put him in the hospital for two days, then on his way home, Brad Pitt shot him in the head. Then a dump truck crushed his car. Then his hashes had a disastrous date with Brett Ratner. We did it. We're heroes. We outwitted the mob. That reminds me, I told a friend of Brad Pitt's everything. Guys are probably coming to kill us right now. You told whoever he what? Except for the dishwashing gloves. I told him those were your idea. Also, I used your share of the money to buy a sack of flour, but it turned out to be cocaine, so I sold it to a bakery. <laughs> I don't understand that joke. You sacked it a line of what bait, they tells you? Oh, that reminds me. Also, impregnated your goldfish. Long story. Well, I guess we better blow town and avoid places where people know our faces. Except the bar by my house where all the mafia guys drink. That ought to be safe. The robbery was 12 whole hours ago. (sighs) I mean, never to write that character again. Meanwhile, Brad Pitt meets James Gandolfini in another bar. Where the hell's that vodka spritzer I owed it, asshole? I can't talk like that. Sir, you've consumed all the alcohol every bar... At every bar within a 10-mile radius has on its premises. What the fuck? <laughs> Never doing this again. I can't wait till we get to the hooker voice. Uh, yeah, about that, dingus. <laughs> I ran out of time. But anyway, I saw 40 cars parked outside. They got gasoline in them, don't they? You know how to use a siphon hose, don't you? Get a move on, these fucking New Orleans waiters. Great to see you again, Tony. I mean, James. Are we friends? I forget. Who cares, huh? To friendgetfulness. Gulp, gulp, gulp. <sighs> hey, remember we did that thing somewhere? Either way, I'm going to launch into a five-minute recap and then another one later. Yeah, remember we were both in the Mexican? It was kind of like this, but with jokes. <laughs> see, the writing will save the acting. Ah, my tooth over here. 
Brad Pitt heads across the street to another bar where the Weasley guy's drinking. Hey, I know you took the money. Tell me which driveway Chris Penn will be walking up tomorrow night and be there with me when I kill him. I don't know. You're not going to kill me too, are yous? Wow, you're really paranoid. You sound just like Aniston. Speaking of which, you don't have any metal plates on the left side of your head, do you? Like bulletproof ones? No, metal was way outside my price bracket. I just got a pane of glass there. Why? Glass there, why, I tells ya. It hurts. It's, uh, it's hurting me. No reason. I'm just a plate enthusiast. Uh, not to be out of line or nothing, but what's with the tape measure and the bullseye you draw on my scalp there? No reason. Actually, I'm just in an online darts club. We play by email. Just planning my next move. <sighs> that night, Brad Pitt and the Weasley guy go to Chris Penn's house. After the third shotgun blast to Chris Penn's skull, Brad Pitt gets a call on his cell phone from the Air Force, asking him to keep it down as he's disrupting the air show they're currently putting on. In- <laughs> uh, it's not all right. Brad Pitt and what's his face drive to a parking garage to finalize loose ends. Oh, the killing my buddy pot sucked, but I had a really good time tonight. Thanks for driving. Want to hear something funny? For a while back there, I was starting to think maybe you were going to kill me, too. Isn't that crazy? Hey, what's with the gun? Why are you pointing my head? Oh, that clip beans, it's out of bullets. Here, borrow some of mine. Hey, why are you pointing my head again? Do I have a bug on me? Shoot it, quick. Oh, your gun's jammed. Here, use this knife. Ow, I think you tagged my eardrum there. Hurry, kill it before it gets to my neck. Use this noose. Oh, that's a little tight. Uh, okay, hey, wait, I unjammed your gun for you. You like that thing? Eventually. No. <laughs> it's like Edith Bunker, but. <laughs> oh, Archie. You think it tastes like Jefferson's? Eventually, Brad Pitt gives up, and the Weasley guy dies of old age. Brad Pitt goes to yet another bar and drinks with Richard Jenkins while they watch Obama talk on TV. Watch, he's going to say something about America in the next hour. <laughs> the American change is about hope, without a dream, because red and white states, blue and plaid states, it's only when you hitch your wagon to a potential that the dignity of progress under God is a Medicare worth progressing what your country can do for you. Hey, there's only 20 grand in here. My price was 15 a pop, just like I told Susan Sarandon. Yeah, the boys told me you'll get the rest when you give them a third act. Hey, America's not a script. It's a spreadsheet app, so fucking pay me. <laughs> Kelly One, can I hear some more of your Obama voice? Uh, I can't do black guys. It's, it's like uh, white guys rapping. Uh, all right, Dingus, uh, get in here. Please. Me? Let's hear you do Scoot McNary's voice go. I, I can't do it any better than Kelly Wadgers did it. So I have to say, uh, a, a fellow we all know who I, I work with sometimes uh, named uh, Bruce Garrick. If there's ever a biopic about Bruce Garrick, Scoot McNary will play him. <laughs> oh, no. Bruce looks just like, like Scoot McNary looks just like Bruce Garrick. I, I yeah, he does. Very, oh, I thought you meant he um, sounds like what I just did. He sounds like Edith Bunker is what I thought you were saying. Well, Kelly Wadgers, I don't know if you know this. Scoot McNary is another Australian. Like Paul Walker. He's one of those Australians coming over here and taking our jobs from us. Was the guy who played the Australian character American? or I mean, Ben Mendelsohn is Scottish. Oh, is that the H guy? Got the H in his name. Uh, the H, well, I think of him as the Animal Kingdom guy. Yeah, he's Pope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Dingus, break down for us. How did you feel? Let's say you're talking to two buddies who haven't seen Killing Them Softly. They don't mind spoilers. What would you tell them about the movie? 
Um, I would tell them to go ahead and watch Margin Call and not watch this movie. What makes you think of Margin Call? Uh, because the I couldn't stand the amount of economic bullshit. Hmm. I don't know. It just, it just was so cynical and facile. I don't uh, all right, so tell us a bit about what, when you say what what was this economic uh, BS that you mentioned? What? All right, so it's not it's not a bad idea, I think. Um, why am I? Why do I have to go first? Uh, it's not a bad idea, I think, to link uh, an economic the economic downturn to the idea of the mob going through an economic difficulty. And I really did like some of that stuff where Brad Pitt is saying hey, where they're negotiating their prices. And um, and driver, uh, also known as uh, Richard Jenkins, is telling him to fly coach. Um, Wait, I like. Up. Hold on, he was his name in the credits was Driver. Yeah, he's he's known as Driver. <laughs> That's awesome. Does anyone call him that in the movie? No, he's just known as Driver. That's great. All right, so go ahead. Uh, so you, you like because they were going to have they were going to have Dwayne Johnson play the part, but they decided to have uh, or Ryan Gosling. Yeah, either one. I see what uh, you just did. Thank you, Kelly Wan. So I, I, I like that, but the but the constant hammering on my head of Obama and George W. Bush talking was just It's like phase seven again. Well you, know, well you know, I didn't mind it with phase seven. You know, you, you know, you're right, Kelly. That that was sort of uh Heavy-handed, but it wasn't heavy-handed like this was. Well, Phase 7 just did it at one point, and I recall it being pretty judicious. So Phase 7 being a mm. Argentinian, Brazilian? What is it Argentina? It was, Ar- it was Argentina, and, it, and you're right. I thought it was judicious, but it was obvious, but still judicious. Yeah, so it, it, was, a, it was a movie. It was a sort of an apocalypse movie that wanted to draw a certain parallel to the U.S., um, obviously, over there, they have a different perspective on things than w- than we do here. And so, at one point, they have a little George W. Uh, Herbert Walker, the little uh, was it Bush Senior, Junior? I even I don't even remember what specific thing they were talking about. But there's a little uh, Bush appearance. Senior, um, I think it was Senior. Well, they were talking about 9/11. I mean, it's it, uh, that movie. Okay. Oh, I'm dumb, but I've noticed it just says if they're going to do Obama for that. It just basically means you can put any president in there, like Lincoln. Well, this was, you know, they here it wasn't judicious. I mean, it was, it was. Yeah. I, I agree with Dingus. I feel it was very forced. It was, uh, it was put on at the most unlikely times. I, I, it was never convinced that the kind of guys who were driving to beat up Ray Liotta would be sitting listening to what, whatever talk radio or whatever stuff about the economic downturn was that was playing. Uh, and you know, what bar has that on TV? I mean, I guess it was election night at the end, but it all just felt very forced, very convenient. Uh, I don't know much about the source material, but I'm assuming, perhaps incorrectly, and maybe one of you guys can can correct me on this, I'm assuming that it's kind of a pot-boiler crime story. So I don't know what led uh, Andrew Dominic to work this economic, this idea about the government uh, covering for the economic mistakes of the private industry. I don't know why he wants to tie that into this crime story. I, is it from the book? Does either of you know? Well, it, the book is in it's from 1974, and I think there is a sense of that as far as it deals with the mob, but not bleeding over into the political arena. And I think that uh, Andrew Dominic just saw, and I, you know, I don't, I don't actually know the time period for when he made this because one of the opening shots is a billboard of Obama and McCain, and I think he must have been filming this during that election. 
uh, but that the the 1974 book. Oh, you're right, Dingus. Because <laughs> what's all the George? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, go ahead. The, the book is a 1973, and so, but this is supposed to be though, like 2008, leading up to the election, which is the night where Brad. Like, isn't that Obama's acceptance speech? Yeah, it se- it seems to be. Yeah. So it's election right. night at the bar. Or, go ahead, though. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, but anyway, I don't I don't know I don't know the politics of the 73 74 book, but I think it was dealing with um, what the mob in that in the story was going through some sort of economic difficulty and what Andrew Dominic decided to do was not or what I think he said is that I just couldn't ignore what was going on in the country and and unfortunately he just did it with a sledgehammer. Right. Right. Uh, what about the rest of the movie though? How does it work as just a crime thriller? I don't. I honestly don't know what to make of this movie. I don't. I, I watched it more than once. I don't know what to make of it. I I love Brad Pitt. I love the the other people in it. I love some of the the filming, even though I don't know. I don't like some of the music choices. I, I I don't need to hear that Johnny Cash song again. Um, <laughs> it's <that> played out. <laughs> it's totally played out. I mean, good lord! Uh, I, I love the the song they were playing when Ray Liotta was being shot in the head, but I don't love it for this. It's a beautiful song called "Love Letters." It has nothing to do with what's going on there. Um, I I love the people in it, but I don't I don't I honestly don't know what to make of this movie. But, but part of that is because, and this is why I chose my name gag from the previous movie is I am so freaking in love with assassination of Jesse James that I don't know what to make of this. Part of what I, the sense that I got was he was maybe trying to return to his chopper roots. He made uh, a movie uh, called chopper, which was very much about the Australian national character with Eric Bana as a oddly good natured, but brutal thug. Um, and I, you know, I actually, I don't, maybe it is, or is not about the Australian national character, but I got the sense that it was one of those great little bits of Australian cinema, you know, watching Chopper, uh, just felt like so Australian every bit as much as like an early Peter Weir movie or a George Miller, Mad Max movie or whatever. It just felt like, yeah, only in Australia would they do something like this. So it felt like he was trying to do a little bit of that lovable thug stuff with the black sense of humor from Chopper at first at first but with the forced political message and with some of the weird languid downbeat tone of assassination of Jesse James uh and I'm not convinced that it worked either I I don't think I cared I I was a little fascinated by parts of it and I uh, overall enjoyed it but overall I I don't think I cared for it much Kelly Wand how did it work for you Mm, remember at the end of Life of Pi, where the guy goes, "So which would you, re- which story is better? Like the one where it's kind of miserable, and the other one has like a tiger, a zebra, and orangutan." I'd rather see this movie, but with a tiger, zebra, and orangutan, <laughs> like holding up a bunch of meerkats. I liked it. I don't know that I recommend it. Like I liked the acting in it, mm-hmm. and the writing's not bad, but I kind of. Well, I found a lot of the scenes pleasing to watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I like watching Brad Pitt and, and James Gandolfini sit there and jaw for a while. Yeah. But I don't know that it adds up to anything. And I and I certainly don't know that it strikes me as a New Orleans movie. Well, isn't it? They're supposed to be in Boston, aren't they? Is New Orleans passing for Boston? Or did I just make that up? 
I thought it was New Orleans, but I didn't know that till afterwards. Well, they definitely filmed in Louisiana, uh, but for some reason, I thought we were supposed to be in Boston, but I could be wrong. If if that's the case, then uh, great job not making me realize I was in New Orleans. Boston, yeah. New Orleans, we don't know what city it is. Like, is, Are we that dumb, or is the movie that vague? I might have been drawing assumptions from whatever Scoot Mc, accent Scoot McNary was doing, but I thought... <laughs> I, I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely would not be on a three by three of movies with a great sense of place. Yeah. Um, if, if they're spelling out the Obama stuff, then I would assume it was in New Orleans because it's spelling that out too. Like it wouldn't be. Complex. Right, right, exactly. He would bring up a Katrina uh, connection or something. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but what can you say about Boston other than, you know, Ben Affleck is from there, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> So what it reminded me of, ultimately, too, with um, this kind of dispassionate take it had on its own characters uh, was very much Burn After Reading, uh, which, you know, Burn After Reading, it introduces this cast of characters, and then it just dispatches or forgets about them in various ways, and then you have people talking about it at the end. Uh, and it had that same kind of, and, and it just felt like everyone was at arm's length at Burn After Reading. Uh, it, it was an odd sensation seeing that movie and liking all these actors and really enjoying some of the performances, but not even really, not never feeling like I got any sort of insight into any of the characters. The stuff in Burn After Reading just kind of happens, and then they close the book on it. And I got a little bit of that here. Um, well, in Burn After Reading, though, I think it's all about J.K. Simmons' wrap-up at the end. Well, and then isn't Shaggy this all about Brad Pitt's wrap up at the yeah. end? Yeah, you know, and actually that's another one's thing. funny. <laughs> Good point, Kelly Wand. Yeah. It's the Cohen. It's Andrew Dominic is no Cohen brother. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but even, uh, but even though, uh, and and it goes with the Obama stuff. Just the fact that uh, I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I wish you guys would see Killer Joe because I love a movie that ends on a minor note like this. And, and that minor note is so precarious, like what you do with it, what you interrupt, you know, what goes unanswered at the end of the movie is so important. And I just felt like that's kind of what they were trying to go with here with this idea of America's not a country, it's a business, now fucking pay me. That, that's a little too on the nose. Like, yeah. I, I really felt like, okay, so Duh. you're going to tell me the moral of the movie in the last line? Really? Uh, it just felt a, too, a little too book reporty or pat. Um, and I wanted to like that moment. And I really, uh, I, it just, it, like the Obama stuff, I, I would love to see a movie, uh, that parallels, you know, this, the, the, the workings of crime to America. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's great stuff to be done here. And I just felt like it wasn't done, uh, for, for whatever reason. And I, I hate that, you know, Andrew Dominic, I was so excited that he wrote and directed this on his own. Um, but I have to say it just, it, it just doesn't hold together for me. No, but it, and it also feels like the way I've come to think of Oliver Stone's movies is just I'm going to get smacked on the head with a sledgehammer constantly instead of just hearing things in passing. I mean, I really like the idea of linking this. I, I love the idea of him having to negotiate his price. I love the idea of them in the car and Richard Jenkins saying, OK, well, then you you, you, you have to fly coach. I, I love those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, especially if you're going to use people like Richard Jenkins in that in that capacity, he's so good and so understated. You could shoot him from behind the whole time, just see the back of his head, and yeah. you could do so many cool things with that. But if you're going to just constantly be 
a character is walking past a TV or something, and and I have to hear a whole speech when you do it. I just I don't trust you, and I don't care at the end. I mean that that moment you're talking about at the end, Tom. It it I love that that idea of the of the credits coming up after now pay me, but it's to point it is two on the nose. You're right. Yeah, to for Brad Pitt to actually then address the Obama stuff that and that's been hammered through the movie the whole time and to comment on it was just way too much. And that that one line way too much. You know, to just maybe have it playing in the background, let us notice it, and to just have Brad Pitt say, "Now fucking pay me." That's all I needed. You know, I didn't right. need I didn't need all that explained to me. I'm not an idiot. Uh, and and he you know, shouldn't. He shouldn't. Even, that character shouldn't even be hearing that. Right. Exactly. Yes, Dingus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- paying attention, yeah. Another thing that confused me too, uh, this idea that uh, you know, if he's this um, this kind of practical demon, you know, he's like 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 evil and ruthless, but but kind of sympathetic. Like, like, why did this character, Brad Pitt's character, why did he torment and drag along Scoot McNary for the killing of Squirrel? I he just never an extra guy. I thought. Oh, I you know I I hate it. I can justify it, but I hate it when a character who's going to kill another character has a long, protracted speech to that character and then shoots him. Well, I can understand that if he was like if he was like a vicious, evil, cruel person, but he was never painted that way previously. So no. can, you, can you justify it in the context of this movie, Dingus? Because I did not understand any of that. I thought it was going somewhere. Well, uh, no, it, if you're going to have that facile sort of explanation of the title of the movie... This is why we named the movie this, because I, I want serious. to shoot people from a distance. I don't want to shoot them close, except for every time I shoot them Exactly, close. exactly, right. But he said he, he can't kill the other guy because he knows him. So it's like we're seeing that even though he has a long speech with a guy, he doesn't consider him a person he knows, maybe because he doesn't make the cut. But he goes through this whole thing of, you need to wipe down the car, you need to do this, you need to do that, I'm going to get out of the car, I'm going to walk around, then I'm going to shoot you in the head. I mean, I understand the put, putting the guy at ease, but Brad Pitt has nothing to fear from Scoot McNary. Come on. Well, and not even just fear. I mean, it's it's sadistic. Like, he's taunting him. He's toying with him. And it just felt like a bit of audience manipulation. Like, he was yeah. doing that for the benefit of us, the viewers, to think, oh, he's uh, going to kill him. He needed oh, to lull him until they got to the garage. But that's why? not the character. That's not that character. That, exactly. That's not that character. And also, Kelly Wan, why did he need to do that? He knew where Squirrel was going to be. He, he said he knew what kind of car he had. Why didn't he just kill him and then Because kill... he wanted to make it harder to, like, if you leave another body in the parking garage, like, across town, and the cops would have to, like, figure out more shit. Like, you're complicating the logistics. So it's like he's a ghost that never happened, and they have, like, two bodies. So, and Kelly Wan, that's excellent. It's an excellent interpretation that relies entirely on things outside the movie. There's no internal uh, support for, for that. I would, If they had explained that, I would buy that. But that's well, not internally supported. It just felt like a violation of the, the character. It just felt like bad writing. Well, I mean. you know, what would you say was a better idea? It was like he shoots him before he even goes there that night? A better idea would be if we're going to have Brad Pitt sadistically toy with this character who's the protagonist of the movie, then let us understand why it happened. That would be a better idea. Brad Pitt was the protagonist. That guy was his job. No, that's another thing, by the way. I, I do love, though, that Brad Pitt would do a movie like this. Like I, I think he knows yeah. it's not going to be a big commercial enterprise. Uh, and even, Dingus, you mentioned, like, I, I, I enjoyed his performance. I really enjoyed watching him. But I got the sense that this is the kind of thing he could do in his sleep. You know, there, yeah. there wasn't that much investment here. There was certainly none of the, um, 
I don't know how to describe it, like soulfulness or depth or uh, none of what he was doing in Assassination of Jesse James. Like, that's an amazing performance. This just felt like something he could do in his sleep, and he showed up and he did it, and it was fine, and it was fascinating. But I love the fact that, you know, this movie probably would not have gotten made. We probably wouldn't have been seeing it without Brad Pitt uh, agreeing to do it for Andrew Dominic. Uh, so I love that he's willing to do projects like this and then do some big multi-million dollar zombie thing also. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, kind, it's kind of Clooney-esque in a way. Uh, so go ahead. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it because uh, what you just said made me like him a lot less than this because uh, he just seems un- amused. Yeah. You know, when, when he's when he's in the car and he's saying, hey, you're driving too fast, kid. Um, he just seems amused and toying. Yeah, yeah. And and there and all of a sudden, boy, what you just said really shifted my opinion just now, because there seems to be no his his scene with James Gandolfini, his scene riding in the car with Scoot McNary, where he, he says you're you're driving too fast, kid, and then he then he takes the driver's seat. Um, I, I don't get any sense of who the fuck this character is all of a sudden. I, I, I mean, I think I'm automatically geared to like Brad Pitt and like that he does this movie. Like you said, Tom, I, I'm, I'm glad that he does this. He knows this is going to be a big deal, but, uh, but he's willing to throw his cred behind it. But there's, there's none of the soul that you just talked about in assassination or, or the power that he, that is in, um, uh, the Mexican. No, no, no! Don't do that to me. How dare you? Legends uh, of the Fall, Tree of Life. Um, oh God! Oh, see, I, you know, I don't even think of that as Brad Pitt. Like he's just so he, his persona is just so not even a part of that movie. Yeah, absolutely, Dingus. Very well put. Yeah, good call. But but when you think what he's doing in, in Tree of Life and how yeah. much and your your point about soul is absolutely perfect. And and I like him just because I like his presence. But but he's riding along and going. You're driving too fast, kid. What's the what's the history of this character? What's the depth of this character? Who is this guy? Uh, I'm really disappointed in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. you like it less. Kellywan, can I do anything to make you like it less? Mm. Kellywan, who was the hottest chick in this movie? Uh, probably Brad Pitt. One two three, not only la la la. So, Kelly, what if you had to do someone in this movie, it would be Brad Pitt. Sure. You know, nobody, there's no music uh, person listed and no even music supervisor listed. What the fuck? Oh, well, that's just because they licensed some really common, inexpensive songs. <laughs> like, how much could Paper Moon cost? That's probably $200. Get the rights yeah. to Paper Moon. Uh... That Johnny Cash song, you're right, Dingus, that's so played out. That's probably like $50. You could license that. Yeah. Maybe that's why the... Kelly Wand. Oh. Speaking of Johnny Cash, Kelly Wand, what's this week's 3 by 3 What? Oh. Uh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, Three Best Old Women. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Uh, and- I was thinking about Brad Pitt, because you were, I was trying to decide, because he's more feminine than most of the chicks I pull in so <laughs> all right just sort of fantasizing there okay what yeah three best old women speaking kelly watch is paul walker hotter than brad <laughs> all right who would you rather have sex with uh betty white yes or betty. paul walker <laughs> go maybe <Instantly. laughs> listen you hit dingus 
He hasn't answered yet. Yeah, can I... Uh, rats. Can I have them both, Kelly Wand? Mm. Mm, who's... Uh, wait. Who's on top? First <laughs> base. No. What? Way too much information. Uh, Kelly Wand... What so th- old ladies? Do you have any? Are there any restrictions? Is anything taken off the table? Do you need to introduce it, or does it? Does the the topic title say all it needs to say? I can't believe Paul you're letting this. Who? I can't believe you're letting him talk about this, Tom. Well, I I, I kind of want to know where. Well, yeah, I guess when we hear his three, we'll find out what he was thinking of. Like, you won't. Where well, it's and what I wasn't thinking. All right. Well, I'll be starting because I'm doing next week's three by. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you talk. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you guys the actress's name, uh, <gasps> and you tell me the movie. Ready? The actress's name is June Squibb. Uh, the grandma with the machine gun and Goldfinger. Hey, that's my number one. Is it? No. Uh, so I'll give you guys a line then from the movie. <clears throat> June Squibb. Dear Undugu. That's the. That's all I know. Uh, so one of my favorite. I'm not a, a big fan of that's about. A, Sh- that's a good one. I, yeah. Go well, thank you. Uh, I'm not about Schmidt. Is fine. I consider it minor pain. Um, but one of the things I love about about Schmidt is the casting of Jack Nicholson's wife, who uh, I, I looked her. Her name is June Squibb. Uh, she's been in other movies. She's certainly an actress. She's been around, but she just looks like such a normal person. Like normally, you would have a movie like about Schmidt and someone like famous or character as- actress or you know Margot Martindale or someone. They would get someone to play the wife who is the Hollywood version of a normal looking person. But I don't. Wherever Alexander Payne got this woman to play his wife, when she showed up in About Schmidt, I, I just wanted to hug Alexander Payne. Like, like, thank you for putting Jack Nicholson in what looks like a normal, real relationship. This looks like the kind of guy, the kind of woman that Jack Nicholson would be married to if he wasn't Jack Nicholson, if he wasn't a famous Hollywood uh, celebrity. So I just love that uh, about about Schmidt. You're so weird. You go off on all these weird fantasies about these alternate universes where Jack Nicholson would have buried... <laughs> If he's playing the character in About Schmidt, as opposed to, say, the character he plays in Witches of Eastwick or The Departed or Batman or whatever, that's the kind of person to whom he would be married. You know what, Kelly Wand? It's like seeing a picture of David Petraeus' wife, Holly Petraeus. She's just a normal-looking person. That's what 65, you know, when 65-year-old people are married, that's what they look like. It's like reality, Kelly Wand. Welcome to it. The mistress in that, or David Petraeus' mistress isn't that great. Um, which one? Yeah, <laughs> See what I did? <laughs> it's never someone really good. Like Monica Lewinsky wasn't that great either. Like, only Kelly Kenneth Wan- got what? That's yeah. Kelly Wan, the rest of the world is not Hollywood. That's reality for you. Oh, see, mm. who was um, who was the mistress? Uh, no way out. Not everyone looks like Sean Young. I think. See. Wait, who was the other? Who was the wife? Actually, I could be. I don't remember a lot about No Way Out. Was Sean Young in that, and was she a mistress? Yes. Okay. No. Thank you. Yes. Mm, okay. What was your June Squibb? June Squibb in About Schmidt. Yes, that's my number three pick. Um, uh, I don't know if she's old enough. Like she's kind of middle aged, like late middle aged. Uh, what's the cutoff date or the cutoff? Uh, date? If you're collecting Social Security, you're old. 
What's the and age? They're going to raise it. They're, if, if this goes through, you won't get old till later. Well, for the I, purposes, believe, I believe Kelly said 63 last year. Yeah, for some reason I thought uh, it was number two. All right. All right, Dingus, what is your number three pick for an old lady? All right, here's a quote from it. Mm-hmm. I did say sorry about the old woman, but from behind you looked. <laughs> Wait, Cloud Atlas? That's his Keanu and Johnny Depp. It's good to either of them. Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh, I wish. <laughs> Wait, that counts. I'm I'm going to allow Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Hold on, let me change my number one. Yeah. And uh, Tetsu also counts. Yeah, Dingus, I don't know. All right, uh, here's here's a little bit of dialogue from this movie. I'm 37. I'm 37. I'm not old. Well, I can't just call you man. Well, you could call me Dennis. All right, the old woman in this particular one is named Dennis. It's not an old woman, it's a man, and he's not old, he's 37. And it's from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And um, it's from the second uh, scene where King Arthur thinks it's an old woman driving a cart in front of him. (laughs) And he says, old woman! And then... um, You know, Dingus, I actually like this. You know, when you said Monty Python, I was like, oh, God. Because you hear everything quoted from Monty Python. I don't think you hear that quoted enough. I I would like that to be quoted more often. When people now talk about Monty Python, I want to hear that because that's good. That's funny. That is a pretty cool old man, too. Woman. Uh, So it's not an old woman or an old man, but it's an old, (laughs) it's a man. But for for medieval times, 37 was pretty old. I mean, that would be old. It's not 63, so I'm breaking Kelly One's category. I apologize. So, Dingus, do the line again. Which one? The, 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 the line that, uh, that uh, King Arthur says. I did say sorry about the old woman, but from behind you looked. I like the line better where he's telling the old woman to move. What's that line? I'm 37. I'm not old. No, before. What does King Arthur say before he knows that it's some dude? He just says, old woman, ma'am. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do the whole scene for you. Don't, don't okay. Well, I was hoping is that what Tom's trying to do? Well, no, I wanted to hear the line. What is it? Old woman, get out of the way, or it's like someone driving? It's it's like somebody shouting at a driver. But well, well King Arthur, he's, he, King Arthur is, is uh, you know, on his coconut horse, and he's asking this old woman who's, who lives in the castle up yonder. And... Um, Oh, he's asking for directions, basically. Yeah, it's a medieval equivalent of directions, right? Yeah, and Dennis, the old woman, is is uh, pulling along this cart, and he says, "Old woman," and and says, "Ma'am," and then he says, "Ma'am," you know, I can't very well call you "Ma'am," and who lives in that castle? And then they get into a a long political argument, much like you might have in, say, killing them softly. You know, how did you get? How'd you get to be king? All right. So there you go. Oh, that, that uh, was good. All right. And it's a dude, not a chick. All right. Yep. I mean, yeah, good. Kelly Lund, what is your number three pick for an old lady in a movie? Uh, the receptionist in Brazil who transcribed interrogations. I like her style. It's my number three. It's interesting that you choose that person from Brazil. There's so many cool old women in that movie. It's hard to pick well, one. There's, there's one obvious one. Uh... Catherine Stone? Catherine Hellman. Catherine Hepburn. Who's the other one? Who's the mom? The other mom. The one with the shoe hat. Which well, was the, woman, the woman getting all the plastic surgery. Is the no, no. Her friend who's, who's get, who gets uh, bad plastic surgery. Her, her, that's not her, right? 
She's like gray haired crone one. Is that you're trying to get me to remember? Thingus? No, not, I'm not trying to do anything. Oh, All right, so Kelly Wand, your pick is the receptionist. Kelly Wand, can you give us one of her lines in the movie? She doesn't have any lines. She just types. I didn't say best old women lines. <laughs> All right. Uh, so basically an extra from Brazil. Very good. <laughs> hey, what about... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yes, Kelly Wand? Dingus, is, Dingus is, has like two lines of dialogue, and yours gets killed off uh, three minutes into the movie. So fuck you both. All right, sorry. It came out wrong. <laughs> I mean, if I keep both individually, happily... My, mine isn't even a woman, and it isn't even old. Yeah. I... All right, well, my number two pick <sighs> is actually an actress and not a character. Uh-huh. Um, is this cheating, Kelly Wand? Like, does it have to be... Can I, can I, does it have to be the character, or can I just name an actress who has played an old woman in various movies? Mm, I'll well, know let me, it Okay, yeah. let me float it by you. Okay. <laughs> Kelly Wand, have you seen a movie called Rhodey? No, I don't. No, I want to begin with the letter R. <laughs> That's a great impersonation. <laughs> Is that how I said it? If you were, if you were Cookie Monster, <laughs> Cookie Monster with Eeyore. There's a little Eeyore in there, maybe. I think. Oh, that's I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, in, in a movie called Rhodey, there's an actress named Lois Smith who plays uh, the mother in that. And in Rhodey, she's uh, she's she's frumpy and confused. Um, but I just love her scenes with Ron Eldard. Uh, now, contrast Lois Smith. Lois Smith has been around forever. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's also in a movie called Minority Report, where she plays a scientist or something. I don't remember much about it. And Tom Cruise has some exposition talk with her. And there's a weird scene, uh, and I don't recall why they did this, but for no discernible reason, after delivering exposition to Tom Cruise, she leans over and kisses him. And she's she's ah. really smart in that movie, and even a little weirdly sexy. Like Lois Smith is a fascinating actress, and I, I love watching her, whether she's doing something like Minority Report or something like Rhodey. So basically, anything played by Lois Smith. Does that now, Kelly Wan? Will you accept that, or do I need to uh, work on that one? Um. Wait, is she the chick in the greenhouse? In yes. Minority yes. Report? Yeah, All she's right. like a botanist or something. Yep. Yeah, she's kind of Cronenberg-y. I could see her being in a Cronenberg movie, you know, something where, you know, there needs to be a little sexuality to the role. But but again, you know, something like Rhodey, no sexuality whatsoever. This is your Sarah Palin thing. I think anybody would think Lois Smith can be kind of hot. I think you like cougars, and it's cool. uh, Totally fine with it. She's way older than Sarah Palin, though. well, I don't know. So I, can I just pick the actors, Kelly Wand? Is that allowed? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. So Lois Smith uh, from roles ranging from Rhodey to a Minority Report. There I feel go. I've subjected you to so many bad topics over the years. Uh, I don't, I like this topic. Wait to hear mine, by the way. Hmm. I'm just, yeah, you'll see. Dingus, what, what is your number two? That's right, your favorite young man in a motion picture. Louisa May Alcott. <laughs> Oh, guys. Dingus, what is your... <laughs> Dingus is dead silent for all of that. Just <laughs> patiently wanting to die. Okay. Just give us a line from your number two pick, maybe. All right, here, here's a little bit of dialogue from my number two pick. And I think Kelly will recognize this because it's one of his favorite movies. <gasps> Something's going to happen. And I wanted to say goodbye. What's oh. going to happen? Something wonderful. There's no not a in that. Yeah. What What are you doing, Dingus? 
What? I can't tell you that, Dingus. <laughs> what what, movie, what I, movie do you think I'm talking about? Uh, 2010, Helen Mirren. Uh, it is not Helen Mirren. She's ah, not an old woman. She's not old, Matt. Uh, it is she 2010. Became old, though, but she became old. See? What? Huh. Very good. You could, <laughs> all right, so it is 2000. So any woman who, yeah, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I personally would pick, you know, like, uh, um, yeah, Marilyn Monroe. There you go. She became an old woman. Marilyn Monroe from Some Like It Hot is my number one. What do you think of that? Uh, the, this is 2010. Um, <laughs> and it is Jesse Bowman, the, uh, the woman who is uh, Dave Bowman's mother. And Dave Bowman, Bowman goes to visit her in the nursing home. She's terminally ill and brushes her hair. Oh. And uh, the actress who plays it is a, an actress named Hair to Wear. Who's what? Actress, Say that again? That's a, that's a wig company, Dingus. Yeah. I thought that was an Altman movie about fashion. Her name is Hair to Wear. She, um, she was... Probably uh, my joke was better than yours. Go ahead, Dingus. Know. Sorry. Most you guys are awesome. She was uh, married to Will Gear who started a thing with her called the Theatrical Metaticum. And uh, Hair to Wear was... Uh, I uh, a Dr. Seuss novel. Uh, yeah. Novel. A wonderful, <laughs> wonderful actress. And um, I just, I love this. I, I love 2010 because it bugs Kelly that I don't like 2001. Uh, and so she's just this, uh, this uh, old woman who plays Dave Bowman's mom, who's terminally ill, and he goes and visits, visits her, and you just see a brush uh, running through her hair. So there you go. You know what that makes me think of? Uh, I hope I'm not scooping anybody's pick. Uh, Kathy Baker in Take Shelter. Ah, very good, Tom. Yeah. Kelly Wanda, is she over 63? Uh, well, she's 69 to me. <laughs> God. Kelly Wanda, speaking of that number, of what's weird. your number two pick for a favorite old lady in a movie? All right, in Cannibal Run 2, uh, <laughs> Tony Danza is driving an orangutan, or he lets the orangutan drive because they get in a fight. And then uh, I think Mel Tillis is like the, also in the passenger seat, and he's all, "Hey, you can't I, let the orangutan." I, I just like Tony Danza is driving an orangutan. <laughs> right, uh, and then uh, they crash through uh, a house. What do you call those houses that move around on uh, trucks? Mobile houses. Mobile houses, thank you. So he, sh- he crashed through a mobile house, and then when they get out the other side, uh, an old lady's sitting between them that I guess they didn't kill, that she just like fell neatly into the car, and then she's all, I was going to make us chicken soup. <laughs> you guys remember stuff that was supposed to be funny back in the 70s? Oh, man, that was something else. Mm-hmm. I think it was 81. <laughs> well, not all not all movies from the 70s were made in the 70s, Kelly Wan. They kept making 70s movies well into the 80s, just so you Did know. Did they think that was funny? Like did they when they made when they did that shot when they shot it where they were like oh we totally fucking nailed it. Kelly, well, that's before we had like, before we had focus grouping, so they had no way of knowing. <sighs> My number one pick for an old lady in a movie, uh, and I, I've mentioned this on a few three by threes. Uh, I just so love Judy Dench in Notes on a Scandal. Oh, uh, I knew you were gonna. Ah, oh, yeah, sorry. For a couple of reasons, though, uh, you know, because mainly, and I, I don't want to ruin Notes on a Scandal for anyone. It's from a book that's been around for a while, and it's the movie's fairly old. But I, I really recommend you see it if you like thrillers, uh, even though it's not really a thriller. But what, what what makes it kind of like a thriller is stuff that is revealed about Judy Dench as the movie progresses, stuff that you don't expect, and stuff that normally isn't 
part of the movie portrayal of older folks. Uh, and I don't want to say any more because I, I, I just love that movie. Uh, and I specifically just adore Judy Dench in that. She is so freaking good. Uh, and the script is so good as well. So that's my favorite. I, I just I, I love how this movie can take an older character who you think you know everything about and then reveal things about her uh, over the course of the movie to where when the movie ends, you are not looking at what you thought you were looking at. So there you go. There's my it, number one pick. It taps into our fears of Judy Dench. I don't know about you, Kelly Wan, but I'm not afraid of Judy Dench. I think I do her too, actually. Would you? <laughs> Kelly Wan, what is your number one pick? Or no, Dingus, what is your? Give us a line from your number one pick for an old lady in a movie. All right, my number one pick actually is related to your number one pick. Aha! By blood right. marriage. Exactly, Kelly. Kelly Wan. All right, here's a here's my quote from my number one pick. In the place of a dark lord, you would have a queen. Not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the... Ah, this is treacherous as the seas. Stronger than the foundations of the earth. Yep, all this... Love me and despair. This is from Skyfall. <laughs> you guys did a Kate Blanchett double. Uh, kind of, in a way. Yep. This is, is Kate Blanchett. Oh, wait, and... she's not old. Oh, oh, I see what Dingus did. I love yeah, what Dingus yeah. Kelly Wan, explain to Dingus that, that Kate Blanchett is not over 63. Go ahead, explain it. Tell him. She's an elf, so they <laughs> tell time differently. Unfortunately for Kelly, he did not say elderly. He said old. And Kate Blanchett, as Galadriel, is over 7,000 years old, so suck it. Wait a minute. Nobody's over... Really? Elves live that long? How old is she? Uh, over 7,000. Yeah. Oh. yeah, but Dick is how old is Celeborn? Like, do they have a May-December thing going there? I'm bummed now, because I, I already know what the forum is going to look like tomorrow. <laughs> Gandalf's eight, third age. <laughs> I mean, gray, white, thousand years. Did, did you realize that Celeborn, if you look at the at one of the Wikipedia whatever entries, that it's a hard C at the beginning? Yes. Celeborn? Yeah. What? Uh, Celeborn. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Celeborn? I know. I'm not going to say that. I'm not. I'm not going to say it that way. It's almost like Doctor Seuss. Like that's how that's supposed. You're supposed to say Doctor Seuss. I'm. I'm never going to say Celeborn other than what I just did a yeah. minute, second ago. Or it's like. Oh, that, yeah, it's like Van Gogh. It's like doing that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. like a, like an Arab shield. <laughs> yeah, Dingus, you're such a. It's like when you rub a dog on his butt and you make his leg kick. If I say anything related to Woody Allen, you'll just immediately snap into it. It's like you're like that with Star Wars too. I have a bad feeling about this. Uh, Kelly Wan, what is your number one pick for an old an old lady in a movie? Uh, Goldberry, uh, Tom Bombadil's. No. Uh, <laughs> J.K. Uh, the mom and dead alive. I thought she was a fun lady. <laughs> That's my number one. All right, good. Uh, runners up. <laughs> um, she, was a, she was a fun lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank Booth's backup dancers in Blue Velvet, and also Human Centipede Two guy's mom and Anne Ramsey. Um, how old is Oracle in The Matrix? Who's the first that's, one? The one reloaded one or the Revolutions one? Oracle is uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Dingus. It's not an old lady. Oh. No, the, you, you know what I'm talking about. The, there is no spoon. Lady. Oh, the, that lady. Right, right, right. The, the lady who makes the cookies. She normally is a character actress who plays uh, judges in movies. Well, she was born in 1933, so when Matrix came out, she was 66. But that's how old the actress is, and, and I didn't know how old the character was. Not very bright, are you? 
See, I, actually, not, I don't. I don't know if I screwed up the line. Just for folks listening, I wasn't actually attacking Dingus's intelligence. I was trying to do a line from the Matrix, and I probably paraphrased it and screwed it up. So, but then, uh, what, what would you have to say after that? But you're good looking. You, you just call me cute. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what she says? Uh, so I like Oracle, and and I did have uh, notes on a scandal. If I were gonna, if I were gonna do like the the. Uh, this in earnest and also actually i i had um from patriot games sean bean <laughs> uh no um there, there's a woman named ellen gear and she's actually the daughter of hair to wear who was in 2010 and ellen gear is in uh patriot games and she plays one of the cia uh people who help harrison ford figure out things and i really like that actress so she's another uh older woman uh, I, did, I really didn't know what to do with old women in this topic, Kelly one, but uh, but I love Ellen Gear. I love seeing her and stuff, and uh, and so but I picked her mom, uh, hair to wear for 2010. If you don't know, you're not using it right. Uh, I love uh, one of the many things I love about the first 15 minutes of 28 weeks later is the old lady in that. You think, oh, she'll never die. You know, you can't kill an old lady like that in a zombie apocalypse. You can't have zombies tear her apart. Uh, and sure enough, that poor old lady in the beginning of 28 weeks later meets a terrible, grisly death trying to climb up into the loft of a barn. Uh, yeah, I thought of her too. I, I like that. And th- th- there's also, and I couldn't, I, I'm so annoyed with myself. Uh, you know, you can sort of see an actor or an actress in your head, and you mm-hmm. can't. There, there's there's this actress who has a French accent, and she's in some action movie, uh, and she's in this scene where the action hero has to go to her and get advice, and she's given him advice, and she's a famous French actress, and I couldn't place her, so that doesn't help any. But. What's the movie? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who she is. Mm, Who's the I, actor? Who's the lead actor? The action hero. Oh, who who the hell knows? I I I, just, I have her in my head. I can see her face and hear her voice, it's like Ronan or something. Who the hell knows? Dingus, what's her name? What's the actress's name? Uh, Ronan. Ronan. Her name is Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> She'll be uh, old someday, so she counts by the same logic as Milman. Oh, that's right. I'd like to pick Hannah as my number one. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna be an awesome old woman someday. Uh, Dingus, do we have any uh, input from uh, listener? Or, Dingus, Kelly Wan. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kelly Wan, have any listeners written in with their choice for favorite old ladies in movies? Oh, also, I was going to say uh, Grandma on Eraserhead. I thought it was kind of cool when it does the salad. Okay. Shh. Paul Weimer. Is it Weimer or Weimer? Do you guys? Yes, it is. Okay. Hi, guys. Sorry, email for last week's podcast. Anyway, three best old men, old women, <laughs> 62 year older. <laughs> Donna Hardy's cameo as Mrs. McArdle, the audience member in the movie The Running Man, who ins- I, don't, I never know any of these. So fucking obscure. He always, the Running Man who insists on wa- wanting to pick Arnold Schwarzenegger's Ben Richards instead of one of the hunters. Maybe it's just me, but hearing an old lady use vulgarity never gets old. And it's a moment that starts to show that the audience is starting to root for Ben, so it's a useful bit for the movie, too. Yeah, because he wins the old women over first. That's how you do it. That's it's just like getting elected to. Oh yeah, you you made the joke I was going to make, Kelly. One nice. You have to give gifts. Uh, <laughs> Helen Mirren's Victoria in red. Uh, I don't like. I know what you're saying. It's like it feels wrong to think of Helen Mirren as old still to me. She's not old, right? She's like got to be like she's younger than Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, Helen Mirren is so freaking hot. I, I would have chosen her in The Queen. I would have chosen so Calendar, that Calendar movie. What's the movie where she's naked in a calendar? Calendar Girls. No, what's that called? Uh, it's called The Full Monty. 
No, <laughs> that's, that's about naked dudes, Dingus. Oops. But there's some, isn't there some... Calendar Girls, it's just called... Oh, it is Calendar Girls, okay, yeah, that would have been my pick. Dingus, you can have the queen, I'll have Calendar Girls. All right, I'll take... All right, uh, oh, what... And, Go ahead, Kelly. And then he liked Judy Dench's M in Skyfall. And then there were three other listener submissions. Do you want to hear Bring them? Bring them. Bring it. Uh, they did not, yeah, they... they they wrote in. We want to hear them. Absolutely. Michael Patterson, right? Since this is a Kelly Wan topic. Wait, real quick. So, so Paul mentioned, uh, what did he mention? What were his three? Uh, M and, um, Mrs. McArdle and the running man and Helen Mirren's Victoria in red. You know, I, I really like the choice of M, uh, because I loved Skyfall so much. And I did think of notes in the scandal when I was thinking about this topic. Uh, and I like the way they play with her age in Skyfall. And gender. I mean, the whole maternal thing would not have worked with, uh, like, Ray Fiennes, for instance. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and that is clearly a woman part. So, yeah, I like that. Yep. Women parts. I love women parts. All see, of what, them. see what you set him up for, Dingus? Are you happy with <laughs> I'm never happy with myself, but that's fine. <laughs> the grayer the cherry, the sweeter the juice. Oh. Uh, oh, and he wishes us happy birthdays. Speaking of... Uh, Great cherries, dingus. Paul Wing. <laughs> I wish this was both ever. Uh, Thanks, Michael. Um, yeah, what? Young I would say Weimar so because of the German pronunciation. Yeah, he's always I, but then I thought he corrected us one time. But then mm-hmm. we keep saying Weimar and he doesn't correct us. Well, regardless, thank you, Paul, for the well wishes. Yeah, I could just say Paul, huh? Or is it Powell? Michael Patterson writes, this is a Kelly Wan topic. I thought about doing men who look like old lesbians. See? <laughs> he's got my number in the end i picked the best old broads i wouldn't want to mess with three animal kingdom see i wanted to pick her too but she's not over 63 jackie weaver is so awesome in that but i i think a little too young for this i don't think so but really she's not 63 though is she i get the sense that she had those kids when she was like like 16 uh i don't know we've all been there no, but, a different but, time. Great, great character and great actress, but uh, yeah, Not, I, I, I was I wasn't sure about Kelly Wan's rule about age. So, all right. So, what else uh, does Michael have for us? Elena, uh, I didn't see that. Uh, Elena's has the, what? Which oh, one? Oh. Well, isn't there a movie about the communists in Greece or something? Uh, a Russian oligarch, half girlfriend, half nanny to an old Russian oligarch. When the oligarch's daughter threatens Elena's inheritance, she acts quickly and remorselessly to protect her family by killing the old man before he can change his will and gets away with it, too. Spoiler alert. Uh, Night of the Hunter, Robert Mitchum. The only <laughs> He's person- not an old lady. Yeah, he is not. <laughs> Night of the Hunter, the only person who stands up to him is the old lady with a shotgun at the end. Ah. Oh, that's a great one. Because, that's a very good Yeah, one. I had that with, uh, with religion, I think, because they do a great duet scene with it. Does he yeah, get but, shot by an old woman at the end of that? Uh-huh. No, but they have a they have a lovely duet that they do. I don't know if she's an old woman though. Isn't she the mom? Shelley Winters gets she's already been killed off though. She drowns. Oh. Isn't that right? Charles Lawton made that movie, and there was a huge bomb, and he never got to make another one. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, Soren Hoglin writes. Uh, it's kind of sad that a three-by-three three best old women is any kind of challenge at all, but good parts for women are kind of hard to come by to start with, and it just gets harder the older they get. That's true, but you almost have more old... It's like you're a fair candidate for any old woman part, while as 
the it girls like there's always a new one coming up with, with that so it's like in a way you're better off old isn't like, there then always a new old lady coming up by that rationale kelly Wong? yeah but some of them don't make it that long oh i see like the it girls don't like there's always new it girls coming in right. but they tend to sort of fall off before they became old lady actresses right but the older you the older you st- keep getting the more like betty white's just like conquered all of them here in don rickles <laughs> uh all right so what, what did soren what were soren's picks good uh m skyfall uh, I guess Judy Dench really is the most beloved old woman, huh? Uh, Jackie Weaver, Animal Kingdom. See, everyone thinks she's old but us, Tom. Uh, I didn't have the heart, so I used Lone Star. That's a weaker brand. The titular character and protagonist of Mother in... What? Mother Murder Mystery by Bong Joon-Hoo, who did Memories of Murder in the Host. Tom, do you know any of that stuff except I the know, host? I know both of those movies, but what was... Oh, the movie Mother. You know what? I haven't seen that. I know the host, and I know Memories of Murder, but I haven't gotten around to seeing Mother yet. Um, Get anybody the lead of a movie like that would be enough on its own, but the movie also takes the character to more interesting places than people trying to clear a loved one's name usually get to go. Do you agree with that, Tom? Well, I haven't seen Mother, so I, I don't know. That's not the question. Oh, Jeff, Jeff Sweet writes, Hey there, hope it's not too late. It's never too late. The creepy old lady from The Orphanage... Yep. yep, she's a ghost, though, so she probably is older than 63. Uh, the neighbor... Wait, wait, is she a ghost? I, you know what, I, I don't remember the orphanage that well. Is she the one that... Somebody get hit by a car in that movie? Kelly Wand, help me out here. I get it mixed up with Pan's Labyrinth. How unhelpful is that, Tom? <laughs> I, I get it mixed up with Orphan. Ah, oh, what? When it's Spanish. <laughs> That's a good point. And otherwise, they're the same movie. Uh <laughs> All right, so Creepy Old Lady uh, in Orphanage, not Creepy Old Lady in The Shining, by the way. I noticed you didn't mention that one. I thought that would be on your list, Kelly Wand. Well, like you said, she's a ghost. Um, Shelley oh, Ball. What? Creepy Old Lady in Shutter Island, who just points at the gun. Oh, I like that woman. Damn, I forgot about her. Mm. Dingus didn't even like that movie, and it took him to remind us of it. <laughs> uh, I like her. Uh, the Neighbor in Rosemary's Baby. Ruth Gordon. Mm, very oh, that's, good. that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, oh, no, that makes me want to pick some now. Yeah, no Harold and Maude? What the heck? I can't no, believe no, Kelly Wan didn't pick Harold and Maude. I had money down that that Kelly Wan would pick Well, Dingus, he needed to get Cannonball Run in there. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, and what else did Jeff have for us? The mother from Triplets of Belleville. <gasps> Ooh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. And honorable mention to Charles Foster Kane's mom and Susan Kane. The mom. Mm, not familiar with that one. Not interested, says Tom. <laughs> Shutting that shit down. All right. That's all the listener submissions. This all right, topic's good. complete. Are you guys ready for next week's 3x3? Three three? Oh, yeah. Are we? This one's kind of like Kelly Wan's old ladies 3x3. Three three, uh, and it requires a little uh, bit of an introduction. Uh, so I think we all here are of the age that, where we've seen Breaking Away. Uh, and in Breaking Away, Dennis Christopher plays a kind of a crazy kid who thinks he's an Italian bike racer, and uh, he you don't quite know what to make of him. He's almost, I don't know if he's a comic relief, but he's like the B-plot, whereas uh, Dennis, no, Randy Dennis Quaid and Jackie Earl Haley, they're like the more sort of soulful characters who you follow. Uh, they're uh, they're like the real characters. Um, but there's a moment where Dennis Christopher is riding his bike on the interstate, and he rides up alongside a truck, and the trucker is flashing his speed 
out the window with his hand, like how many tens of miles an hour he's going, and Dennis Christopher's racing to keep up with him. And it's got it's just really thrilling sequence where you just realize, hey, that guy goes really fast. Like that bike, that's amazing. He's kicking so much ass on that thing. And that, that whole bike riding angle that he does seems really cool at that moment uh, with the, the trucker on the freeway. Now, conversely, there's a scene in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid where they ride an old-timey bicycle while uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. It is a horrible scene. It is one of the worst scenes in all of history. Uh, It's worse than anything uh, Lenny Reifenstahl made, for instance. Oh, my God. It's an atrocity. It's an atrocity in cinematic history. I'm sorry. I'm just calling it like I see it. So in one of them, bicycles are awesome. In the other scene, bicycles are ridiculous. What I want from you guys... I want you to make your case with three movies as to whether bicycles are awesome or ridiculous. Now, you can use both. Like, number one can be bicycles are ridiculous. Here's an example. Number two can be they're awesome. Here's an example. Number three can be they're ridiculous. You're going to need to come down on the – because you have to give me three instances, you're going to have to come down on the issue one way or the other. Bicycles, awesome or ridiculous. I want you to support your case with uh, up to – with three different picks. You can support both cases, but the number, you know, you're going to have to go one way or the other. If you get More too math. ridiculous, there, there will be math involved, yes. Um, uh, uh, point of order, yes. uh, what about tricycles? Nope. Bicycles, Kelly Wan, it's clearly the from bi, which is the Greek word for two wheels. Sickle, meaning uh, you ride on. Uh, by, you can do with that as you will. It's still a bicycle with, with training wheels. Uh, now, you might be tempted... To bring up a Quicksilver or Premium Rush, don't bother. Don't bother. Don't even go. For awesome? Premium Rush. First of all, I, I haven't seen Quicksilver, but Premium Rush, just there's nothing about There's nothing worth it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't do anything to show you that bicycles are cool. Like, bicycles are just so peripheral. There's stupid stunt work. Don't even try to go there with some obviously bicycle pandering movie. You know, like where, where the bicycles are an agenda. That, Bicycle what, pandering was outlawed in 1899, <laughs> I thought, at least in the red states. Well, you need to tell David Kep that because uh, <gasps> he didn't get the memo. Oh, that's the cruelest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Worse than the Lenny Reifenstahl thing? Gesundheit. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's next week's 3x3. Bicycles, ridiculous or awesome? I like it. Tom. Also, as a public service... Um, should I say this? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say this. Uh, if you have not seen Your Sister's Sister by next week, uh, things will be said about it on the 3x3. Three three. So I'm just putting that out there. I'm not going to say anything more. You have a week. That's mainly for, for Dingus and Kelly Wand. Uh, listeners, uh, if you have a choice for Bicycles Ridiculous or Awesome, you are not bound by any rules of math. Just give us your, your picks one way or the other. Uh, it doesn't have to be three. It can be one. It can be two. It can be five. Uh, whatever comes to mind for you, let us know. Send it in to 3 by 3 at quarter2three.com. That's number three, the letter X, the number three, at, and spell out, quarter2three.com. Uh, uh, wait, yes, you yes, said no. one, two, or five wheels or choices? Kelly, on you, three choices. They must involve bicycles, no tricycles, no unicycles. But the listeners can write about five-wheeled vehicles. The listeners, Kelly Wand, I believe, if they have any questions, I think they're pretty clear on it. They can they can let me know. They can email us if they have questions. I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, hmm. Picks of bicycles, ridiculous or awesome. Any other questions, Kelly Wand? Uh, can it be both in one bicycle, like one 
wheel sauce and the other ones. Uh, I leave that up to you. Can it? Okay, I'm done. All right, so next week, what are we going to see? I, you know what? I have no desire to see this. Do you guys know this about me? Uh, see, well, what? what uh, is, we, did we even talk about this? Isn't it The Hobbit next week? Doesn't that open? Uh, no, no, no. That's two weeks from now. I thought we were oh. seeing your sister's sister. Right. No, that's not. Wait a minute. Hold on. If you're, if you're, uh, I thought the Hobbit opened next week. What? Where did I? Where did I get that? That opens the on the Hobbit. 14th, doesn't it? Yeah, I totally thought the Hobbit opened. Is this our first podcast ever? Yeah, what the fuck's going on? Wait, <laughs> when does the Hobbit open? Jesus. All right, if, if it's either the Hobbit, the Hobbit doesn't open next. The week. Hobbit opens December fourteenth. What's this Friday? All right, so next week then we will be seeing what's opening next week then. Nothing. We're seeing your sister's sister. I've just made it. I've told you. <laughs> Bad uh, go to hell looks intriguing. Oh God, I'm sorry, listeners have to listen to us do this. No, we will see uh, playing for keeps, starring Gerard Butler, Jessica Biel, and Dennis Quaid. Join us. Oh. <laughs> Come on, why not? Doesn't that sound awesome? It sounds like a romantic uh-huh. comedy. I bet it'll be funny. It'll be heartwarming, Kelly Wand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bitch. <laughs> no, I would not do you that. Know what? No, wait, I'll write the opsis for Gerard Butler movie. <laughs> Uh, I was not aware. I really thought it was The Hobbit, and that's why I did not bring it up in the bookkeeping, as I thought it was a foregone conclusion we were doing that. I just was mistaken on the uh, the. Opening. Wait, let's do Playing for Keeps. He's talking me into it. Stop <laughs> it. No. What? No. Why? All right, so here's the deal. Next week, an impromptu. Here you go. Next week, we are doing the movies of Lynn Shelton, primarily Hump Day and Your Sister's Sister. Uh, Dingus uh, introduced me. He, he basically dragged me kicking and screaming to watch one of them. Uh, I, I loved it. Um, and, and, you know, the less you know, the better. Uh, it's got a very particular style, uh, and we want to talk about that. So we want you to see Hump Day and Your Sister's Sister and join us for our discussion of those next week. They're both on DVD. Uh, they may or may not even be on Netflix Netflix Instant Watch or various video on demand services, but see both of those. So next week is our Lynn Shelton episode, uh, and huge thanks to Dingus for uh, not really discovering her, but for forcing me to watch her first uh, one of her earlier movies. Old Durham, Hump Day is definitely available on Instant Watch, and you really should see it. Good, uh, and your sister, sister. Uh, so Canadians, by the way, but whatever, we'll see. Kelly Wan, do they have blockbusters in Canada? Or Redbox? Try those. Uh, um, so join us for that next week, as well as our 3x3 three three of bicycles. Ridiculous or awesome? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Moralski. It's, yeah, very well. It's Christian Moralski. Oh, good. And Kelly Wand. Penny farthing ones. Are, oh. Oh. One time, one time. I thought we could do one romantic comedy. Kelly, no one is stopping you from seeing Playing for Keeps. Mm, I just thought it might be, well, yeah, you're probably being smart. Someone has to be smart. Cover for Kelly Bond. Um, how you guys doing? Telling anecdotes, Tom? Got anything to share with the uh, rest of the class? Uh, Tahunga, yes. Yeah, so when I went to see Killing Them Softly, um, a couple, uh, by the, the movie, the theater was not crowded, uh, but at one point a couple comes into the movie 
obviously having come from another movie, you know, Killian Softly had already started. So they come bundling in, they're kind of like giggling and trying to be quiet, and they, they feel like they're getting away with something. They go down the aisle and they sit down. And this happens at Brad Pitt's speech about the Obama inauguration uh, speech. So they get in and they sit down and they think they're getting away with something. And literally, like 40 seconds later, the movie ends. <laughs> I remember thinking, wow, you guys you guys suck at sneaking into a second movie. <laughs> they probably think they just missed something awesome, too. That's the couple right. who left in uh, Phase 7. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, they probably just walked out <laughs> something. They're always doomed to never show up at the right time. It's like a curse, <laughs> hag's curse that lies on them. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, do you have a or Dingus? Do you have a Winnetka note for us? How, sure. How is your... uh, go ahead. Uh, I just know you spent some time today in a bouncy castle. I wondered how that might have gone. Euphemism. I did not. We had to postpone my son's birthday party because it's so rainy here. But oh. his rainy. friends were over right. playing, and uh, as uh, as they often are, his his neighborhood friends were in his room, you know, hanging out and building Lego stuff. And uh, I just happened over here. One of the little kids, one of his neighborhood friends, a seven-year-old, go, "Do you like Star Wars? Because I hate it." <laughs> oh. And that a little part awesome. of me died. Yeah, that kid is awesome. No, that that kid is awesome. Did he break it down? Kelly Wand. Oh, yeah. What's new in Canada, Kelly Wand? Nothing. Uh, it's kind of. It's just fucking raining all the time. Want to kill and fucking murder the rain? I feel like the dad and. Uh, Piece of Southern Wild. Get a oh, I was going to say The Shining. What? There's I thought no you were going to say you felt like the dad in The Shining. Because the rain? There's no rain in that I don't movie. Know. I think you're getting rain and snow mixed up. Typical Winnet can. Uh... Also, when Dingus was talking just now, I was trying to picture a, uh, a Lego version of those bouncies. Bouncy pounds. So it's like all clattery and plastic. That'd be kind of fun. Uh, just go in naked. Like a refrigerator magnet one, and you're wearing magnets, and then it's like turning slowly over. Like it's a giant ball going down a hill, and then the magnets are all sticking to you. Like, uh, and then. Uh, Judy and... Oh, yeah.